0: Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the the Tank. This is an all new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Joe. We are the co hosts of Outside the Tank. We love talking to entrepreneurs. We love hearing their stories. We love learning from them. We love this stuff. And we are so excited to bring you uh, Alex Bayer, Genius Juice on Shark Tank, Season 11, Episode 12 air date of January 19th of 2020. Uh, Alex is an awesome dude. He's got a really cool company in Genius Juice, and we're going to dig into the interview here in a second. But Joe, walk us through the pitch that took place on January 19th of 2020.
1: Okay, full disclosure, I know this kid. Uh, Because I hired this kid in the insurance industry a million years ago, a decade or two ago, actually two decades ago. Anyway, I've known Alex for a long time, uh, very excited about his success in business. But he walked on asking for a quarter million dollars for 7% of his company. They manufactured Genius Juice, which uses a whole coconut. It uses the water. It uses the meat. It's a fantastic smoothie. It's a great product. And so they valued the company walking in at $3.5 million. They were already in at time of taping, 1,100 stores. Um, they had done uh, almost $400,000 in sales, up about $100,000 um, from the year before. And uh, actually, that was a year before. And then they were at 320000 year to date at the time of taping. So they... Uh, uh, they, they walked in, Alex walked in singing with a crazy wig on, and he had some backup singers and I've known Alex for a long time. I've never known him to sing. uh, And I hope I never have to hear him sing again. And I say that lovingly, but it, it was a great opening. It was a great pitch. They, um, Lori loved it, but she felt the area the market was too competitive and she had no experience in the space, so she went out quickly. Rohan Osa, who is the beverage whisperer, was scared by refrigerated items, and it was interesting because Alex pushed back on him a little bit. He felt it would just be too long a slog for him, so he went out. Um, Barb um, was kind of biting, but she's had bad experience in the space. She wound up making an offer at about half the valuation, uh, Cuban deferred to Barb and then uh, Mr. Wonderful came in with a quarter million as debt. Um, Barb came back in with Cuban and they made an offer and then we'll find out what happened after that. Uh, but interesting pitch. Uh, he knew his numbers. He fared well. He held his ground. Tom, we'll see if he got a deal or not. Maybe he got a deal.
0: Maybe he did. not We sure will, and and yeah, these things—hundred calories, no added sugar, uh, retail for around five to six bucks. Uh, it's a it's a really cool product, and uh, Alex is a is an interesting guy. So I, I'm really pumped to get into our interview with Alex to hear what happened, to hear how things are going, and then afterwards, as we always do, we're gonna break down what we learned from Alex, what lessons were were in the conversation. And uh, we really look forward to that. So let's get to our interview with Alex, the proprietor of Genius Juice. This is Outside the Tank, and we are with Alex Bayer, the proprietor of Genius Juice, the only coconut smoothie. Alex, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks, Tom and Joe. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So this originated in Thailand. How in the heck did that come about? And where did the idea for the product come from?
2: Yeah, so uh, um, I uh, just got the idea because I loved having smoothies every morning. So I would—I uh, used to be in the insurance world, um, actually used to work with Joe B over at Aflac. And uh, yep, and every morning before going out, um, I know I have a long Long kind of road warrior day, you know, knocking on doors, I would make a smoothie in the morning. So after doing that, I'm like, man, I love smoothies. I can't really find them on the store shelf. I want to create something that I could see that I could buy on the store shelf at a Whole Foods or, you know, wherever. So um, one day I was with a friend. Um, They made dinner for me, they made a dessert for me, and they blended a whole coconut smoothie. And I'm like, what is that? I know coconut water. I don't know. I don't know a coconut smoothie and they said oh we use the whole coconut the water and also the meat from the coconut and i'm like really and i remember them blending it it was like this really bright white like looked really good and very appetizing and then um you know i'm like i love smoothies let me try this so i tried it and i'm like this is pure genius like this is genius having the entire coconut blended and i got to come up with this so that was that was where the name was born for genius Juice. And then uh, obviously, the coconut that I fell in love with was the Young Thai coconut. So that's how uh, that's the Thai connection there.
0: So you had said that there was about $1.2 million uh, into the business, some of which was your own money. Where did you uh, put together the, uh, the investment for the business?
2: Well, we had uh, several rounds of investment. So we had um, a first kind of the three Fs, the friends, family, and the fool round, um, mostly fools. I'm just kidding. So uh, people came in like, you know, my dad, I came in with some money. Um, you know, wife came in with a little bit of money. So everyone just kind of pitched in to help us lift the business off the ground and, uh, you know, get get the product developed, you know, from ideation to product to getting it physically on the shelf. So that was the first kind of friends and family round that was under a million. And then over the years, we also have done additional rounds. So um, we did a, as you mentioned, a 1.2 million round. That was actually last year uh, when we aired on Shark Tank. We, um, and I'll get, we'll get more into that. So I don't want to go too far ahead. We actually raised around the airing of Shark Tank and had a lot of buzz. And so the money we raised from that was really just to fulfill online orders, get the product to more stores, uh, just really inventory, marketing and uh, also getting more people on our staff to take care of the stores. So it was pretty simple. A lot of beverage companies, that's where they use money. And that's what we did.
0: So you aired on uh, January 19th of 2020. When did you actually record the episode?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. They record everything within a two-week period. Um, and they did it in June 2019. Um Things have, things have really changed since then because of COVID. They actually, um, they tape it a lot later in the year now. And uh, they used to tape it. I mean, it's probably going to come back to it, but they taped it on the Sony lot in Culver okay. City, which everyone knows, like Sony basically owns Shark Tank, Fox and Sony. So, um, or ABC, sorry. And um, so from there, yeah. So basically it taped June, 2019. Once you tape you really don't know if you're gonna air or not. They don't tell you if you're gonna air. Um, Sometimes they'll say that was really good, you have a better chance of actually airing. But there's many companies that have never actually aired that have been taped. So um, usually what it comes down to is if you have, if you're very entertaining, um, which sometimes I can be if I'm lucky, if it's a great product and also a great story, and there's a deal, there's an offer on the show, like there's a deal that's made on the show, you're more likely to be aired. And I think we had all three of those, right? We had a deal offered on the show, which we accepted. It was, it was you know, entertaining, kind of stupid, but entertaining with a song that we did. And, uh, and then also the, the product is great. The sharks like the product a lot as people saw from the show. So uh, luckily they aired us um, and what's interesting, one other note I'll make, is when they notify you that you're gonna be aired, you have to think about it, right? If you're gonna be aired in front of three to 4 million people, you're gonna need product, right, to sell online. I mean, it's like a commercial for your for your product. So they let, this is very well known, they let the companies know a few weeks before that you're getting aired. So. We were, we were just rushing to get production going. We, we knew we were going to get air. We're like, we need to produce this product quick. And luckily, we were able to get a production in and to have enough product to supply all the customers who bought the, who bought, who bought the product after uh, watching the show. But you can imagine, it's pretty stressful. You only have a few weeks to get prepared uh, for the airing. So great experience, though.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> full disclosure, uh, I have Alex, I have known you for many, many years, many years before uh, Genius Juice, and if someone would have told me Alex is going to appear in G- uh, Genius Juice and he's going to be singing and have backup dancers, I would have said no. That's <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking of some other Alex Bayer. So that was <laughs> extremely uh, entertaining for sure. Great, great way to uh, open open the pitch for sure. Yeah. Um, but so there was a nice little spike. You're able to cover the production for that spike uh that came after
0: the uh show sorry it kind of cut, cut out yeah i think i think he was asking about the the you know 24 48 hours following the show so right you, so you guys air what happens
2: yeah so so basically we air and then um now we we aired in three different time zones i think four different time zones and every time it aired there was a huge bump you know there was the east coast central mountain time pacific and then hawaii and hawaii so um yeah we basically just got a bunch of orders like a crap load of orders um i think we did um within 24 hours we did a, i think about 140,000 in sales so it's pretty huge i mean and we had really no online presence before that, you know, like we, you know, with perishable items, usually you want to go to stores first. You want to hit retail first because perishable is a lot harder to handle and manage the logistics and ship. So we had no presence. And then suddenly we went from, you know, zero to 140,000 overnight, both on Amazon and also on our website. So Luckily again, you know, we had plenty of products. We had a fulfillment partner that was shipping basically to 99.5% of all the households in the country, a great fulfillment partner, which uh, I'm still working with them to this day, you know, a year and a half later. And um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was pretty, pretty insane because um, also after about a week and a half, we went up to a quarter million in sales. So we went from one hundred forty thousand, then a quarter million, and then three hundred thousand. So obviously, uh, it's it's the power of Shark Tank. Um, It's it's great, but it could also backfire. You know, if you if you if the sharks don't like your product, you know, we got lucky and fortunate that they liked the product, and we also got a deal. And I came off as very authentic and like you know, I didn't try to be someone else, but. I've heard stories where if you come off like you're a know-it-all or too cocky or, you know, you try to push back too hard and you're not respectful to a, to a shark, and then Mark Cuban says like, you're an idiot, like I would never invest in you or something like that, then it could actually backfire or they could just not like the product, you know, they could not like the product. I, I remember there was a chocolate drink, a beverage drink that was on Shark Tank many years ago. It was like a cacao drink, which, uh, you know, probably you guys would spit it out if you try to drink it. I could barely stomach it. And I remember the sharks drank it right in front of the entrepreneur on the show. And they actually spit it out. They're like, this is terrible. And then I think Mr. Wonderful said like, this tastes like, and then like it bleeped him out, you know? (laughs) So, so it could backfire if they don't like the product. So anyway, anyone who's going on Shark Tank, just make sure you have a a product they can eat or drink. That's my advice.
1: Alex, did you have a shark or two in mind going in? Did you have a preference of in a perfect world who would uh, anoint you and, and make an acceptable offer?
2: I mean, I, I went going in. It was interesting. You know how they have guest sharks on the shows sometimes like Alex Rodriguez or Rohan Oza. So our, our, our guest shark was Rohan Oza, who is a beverage You know, food and beverage maven. Um, I think they call him the uh, the grandfather. That's that's his nickname. So he helped start and he he invested in like you know vitamin water, you know, very big companies. Um, You know, Vita Coco. He's a big investor in them. So I felt like maybe he could be an investor, but I knew going in that it would have been a huge conflict of interest because he's invested in competitors to us. So I kind of like already knew that he probably was not in for the deal. So my, my, my choice among that is Mark, was Mark Cuban. Um, number one, I like him. I think I, I respect him as a person. I think he's a cool guy and uh, I could see myself working with him. And then also he's invested in other um, food and beverage brands. He's actually known to be a kind of an omnivore turned uh, vegetarian. So he became a vegetarian. Um, he loves organic. He actually invested in my friend's brand, you know, Mush. It's an oatmeal brand that was on the show in season nine. So um, I knew that he would have been a great partner. So that's why my choice was him.
1: Yeah, Rohan is also known as the uh, beverage whisperer. And I think he used a convenient excuse, if my notes are correct, that perishable items, refrigerated items scare him. And uh, he felt this was going to be a long slog. And I think a couple of the other sharks looked at him and um, were um, somewhat scared off by that uh, statement, but you got what you wanted. You got Cuban, you got um, Barbara along with that. So it worked out well for you.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting too, because when he said, uh, you know, for those that, you know, there's, it's a detail in the show, a very small detail, but when he said, refrigerated scares me refrigerated is tough it's expensive um i came i came right back at him you know and i said you've invested in two refrigerated beverage brands which are doing over 30 or 40 million each you know you have health aid kombucha they're doing i think over 150 million now and then you have rebel which is a semi competitor to us rebel is a more natural product and whole foods and sprouts and uh, he invested in them And then uh, I remember saying that to him and he's like, I know I invested in them, And it still scares me. So it
0: was
2: (laughs) entertainment at its best, you know?
1: Absolutely. Was it as uh, we've heard from many others that um, obviously the editing uh, belies this and and doesn't show this, but it's rapid fire and you're getting hit from multiple sharks at one time. Did you experience that as well? I'll
2: I'll put it this way, Joe, that um, they... The, the, the airing is only about 11 minutes, maybe 12 minutes. Uh, the taping itself is, for us, was over an hour. So, so you're, you're up there for a really long time. Uh, there, was a, there was a lot of breaks in between. Not breaks, but, you know, where like, you know they have to readjust something. And um, so it, it, was, it was rapid fire, but it definitely was not as intense as the airing seemed because they they're they're cutting things to make it more quick for for the back and forth but there was that it was definitely more of a regular conversation than the way it looked on the airing you know on the airing it, it looks more intense and it's really funny too um actually i've never actually said this and i can totally share this because it's not confidential information but when, when we first, you know, after you do the pitch, right. And then you pass out your product. Okay. Here, try our product. And you go to each shark and you give them a tray, you know, of the, I was giving a tray of the smoothies. I gave one to Lori. And then Lori looked at it and she's like, okay, stop. She actually waved her hand let the stop. We got to stop this. Mine is open. I can't drink this, you know, someone actually pre-opened it for her and she didn't like that. She wanted it to be closed. So she actually stopped the taping and said, "We have to start this over because mine, I got an open one." <laughs> it's pretty funny. Just little things the, on the side that happened. So.
0: so, so
1: go ahead.
0: I'm sorry, Tom. Oh no, I just this. So this airs January of 2020. What's what's the year look like for you? What happens? you know, in the 12 months following this airing, what's changed in the business? How have things evolved for you over the past year?
2: Yeah, so as we're, we're taping this in 2021, 2020 was a great year for us. I mean, despite all the circumstances, yeah. um, you know, we, we more than tripled in revenue year over year from 2019 to 2020. Um, a quarter of our sales was from online. Um, I think, you know, we got... It was fortunate in our in our world because so many people, as everyone knows, because of the pandemic, a lot of people decided I'm not going to go to the stores anymore. I want to order online. I want to order through Instacart. I want to order through Amazon or you know through the company's website. So we were able to ride that that wave, which the wave is still going, but it was really more of an intense wave in the summer. You know, in the heat of the pandemic, where in summer 2020 where a lot of people uh, wanted to order online. So, um, you know, despite the fact that our price is higher online, right? Because of shipping and all that, and, and and you know, pick and packing and labor to get the product to someone cold within a day or two, you can see why perishable shipping is much harder than shelf stable. Um, but we rode that wave. A lot of people wanted to order it online just to stay safe and not have to go into stores. So that happened. And then the other fortunate event that happened is people, buyers, like corporate buyers, they watch Shark Tank, you know, um, and they look for brands. And they do this on purpose, right? Because if they can find a brand that just airs on Shark Tank, which gets to everybody in the country, right, not just Southern California or New York or major metro, but everywhere in the Midwest and every nook and cranny in the US, that buyer may say, you know what, I want to bring this product in to my store. Because now I have customers that are looking for the product. They don't want to order it online because it is more expensive online. They want to get it in the store for an everyday low price. So we were able to secure, you know, um, like we got Costco from it. We got Target. Now, it wasn't the prime reason that they brought it in, but it definitely helps. When I'm in a meeting with a corporate buyer and I can say, here's all the great things about Genius. Now we can have a great partnership. Plus, we were on Shark Tank. So you got all these customers, you got pent up demand where people are looking for it and, you know, they'll recognize it when they see it on your store shelf. So it's a good selling point.
1: What percentage of your sales right now are online versus retail?
2: Uh, it's about 20 to 25 percent right now.
0: When a Costco. I think
2: you a question too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When, when a Costco picks you up, I mean is that exciting or is it scare the hell out of you because now it needs to pull through and actually sell in the store?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a combination of both emotions, you know, there's like an initial excitement and then, and then reality hits you where it's like, I, I need to perform. Right. I'm, I'm in the store now. And uh, you know, it's, it, it's like giving birth to a child, right. It's exciting. But then you're like, I have, I have to take care of the child. <laughs> That's all other. <laughs> That's all their, uh, you know, commitment. So um, it's the same thing. I wouldn't say the same thing, but a similar feel to like, you know, to launching in a store. So, um, you know, we, we actually recently launched in Costco about, um, about three weeks, I think a month ago. So beginning of January, 2021. So we just launched in Southern California and we're in 15 stores, um, test stores that are in SoCal. Um, so too early to tell right now. But I will say that no matter what retailer that you launch into, like, you know, the good ones will say you have three to six months to prove yourself. And if you do not prove yourself, you're out and I'm going to bring someone else in in your place. So it is very, very competitive. And you have to, you know, you have to push hard from the beginning.
0: Did you apply to be on the show or did they recruit you?
2: So an interesting story behind that is I actually applied um, four times. So, and you know there was actually one of my friends uh, a shout out to uh, Kimberly Mechwood with her brand Click and Carry. You should probably have her on your have her on your show next. Uh, she auditioned. She was just on the show I think a month ago, a month and a half ago, and she auditioned seven times to get on the show. So like the charts were saying, that is persistence, you know, right there. So I auditioned four times. I auditioned starting from 2014 in LA, 2015 in Salt Lake City, 2016 in San Francisco. And then I took two years off because I'm like, you know, I just, I can't deal with this rejection anymore. (laughs) And then I, uh, you know, and then I came back in 2019 and applied again. I'm like, this will be my last one. Like not three times a charm, four times a charm. Plus, they had the audition at a casino, uh, the Morongo. Uh, so I'm like, I used to play poker, so I feel right at home. This is great. <laughs> so uh, so I applied, and I'm like, you know what? For this, the, the first few auditions, I was very, like, um, like very, you know, like wooden. I was just like, you know, this is our product. Our product's a coconut smoothie. We, we want, you know, half a million dollars for 20, 25%. You know, I was like a robot. So this time I'm like, all that is out the door. I'm going to go in with a wig, like a genius wig, and I'm going to put glasses on like these big, I got from Amazon and I'm just going to make it really fun and really stupid. And hopefully, you know, that's enough to get aired on an American television show. And lo and behold, I, I made it past the first audition. There were many auditions after that and interviews. Um, And a lot of due diligence to make sure I'm not a criminal. And after that happened, uh, they brought us on the show, but it took a lot of auditions to get there. So,
1: you know, uh, you have to be just a little bit different. uh, And it is about entertainment at the end of the day. I'm curious, you did uh, what I thought was a pretty well orchestrated social Kickstarter type program or raise around the, the time of airing. Can you share with us? what you learn from doing that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanna mention just to make sure because it is public information is that the deal did not go through from Shark Tank. I just wanna make that super clear because I get that question you know, from investors, from people online, from customers. You're like, how, how is it working with Mark Cuban? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I don't work with him. <laughs> so, uh, but we got a deal on the show but then the deal after negotiations fell through. Um, the deal was half a million for 25% of the company. So anyway, I just want everyone to, to know that so that it's, it's in the clear. As far as uh, raising online, so we raised on WeFunder, a shout out to the WeFunder crew, really, really great group of people. And we decided to do crowdfunding. So it's a equity crowdfunding website. And so we started the campaign in late 2019, like December 2019. And we actually started it before we even knew we were airing. You know, we just, we just wanted to kickstart it. We, we knew that the deal fell through from Shark Tank. It was already decided at that time. So we're like, you know what, let's try raising online. I've heard this is very successful. So we started and then obviously we got the news that we were airing and then we aired, so a lot of people from the Shark Tank, the viewerships, all the people, they came on to invest in us, and they're like, "Wow, a Shark Tank deal! I can invest in them." And then also we got um, other people that just came in that's been wanting to invest in Genius Juice, but obviously the minimum is a lot lower when you when you invest online. It's like hundred dollars, so it's like kind of a it's kind of like a democratic way to raise money where anyone can do it. Anyone can get a piece, you know, of genius juice, and you also get real equity in the company. And as it grows, it's actually worth a lot more. And then eventually, you know, if the company sells, you get a return. You know, it's just like if you were if it's like if you were an, a regular investor. So it's a great, it's a great model that a lot of companies are going towards. Um, there was a huge article actually, I think on I, I think in the New York Times the other day about crowdfunding, because it's so hard to re- it's. It's harder to raise right now in this environment from like an institutional or a private equity. Why not, why not bring people in that already buy your product, that love your product, that wanna support you and see you grow and they invest in you. So we, we launched it um, right around January, right after Shark Tank, we, were, we, we broke 100,000 online in money raised. And then I think within a week, we doubled that. It went to like 200. So once you get to that first big milestone, then all, you know, it's like human nature. People go, wow, this is taking off. I want to be a part of this. So we raised 200 and then it went to three. And by April, when we closed the campaign, we raised nearly half a million dollars, which is ironic because we raised almost the same exact amount as to what what the offer was on the show. Right. So it's kind of a funny, I wasn't aiming for that. It just kind of happened that way. So
0: any, any big lessons that you took from that crowdfunding? I mean, would you do it again? Uh, If if an entrepreneur is listening to this and they're like, oh, that actually might be something I want to look at. I, I guess what lessons did you learn? What was that experience like for you? Would you do it again?
2: Uh, I, I have done it again. Okay. <laughs> I did. So, yeah, so uh, it, it was uh, needless to say, you know, I recommend to do it. Um, you know, if you're if you're a brand that is not raised from institutional yet. Uh, the good thing, too, is that when you raise online, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs go, you know, this is more of the finance lingo. Wow. I'm going to have like a thousand people on my cap table. Right. A cap table is where you have all your investors in your company. With WeFunder or Republic or StartEngine, uh, there's a few others out there. All these crowdfunding sites, it's under one line item. It's not under you know, it's not listed as 800 or a thousand people. So we really like that, and we also liked how they handle all the paperwork with the investment. So you don't have to incur a lot of legal fees. I think eventually when they become K ones, like when they're actual investors, they turn it over to you. But we did a convertible note, you know, in a safe which basically are notes, like you, 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 you give the company money, you, you know, you're borrowing money and then it converts to equity, it's just some finance, finance lingo. So it really uh, was easy for us to launch on there, get through all the paperwork, which is handled by them. And then essentially you're just marketing it. You're a marketing machine to get people to come in and invest. So I love focusing on that, you know, focusing on building the brand and getting people in. And the coolest part about it, I'll say one more thing and I'll, I'll shut up about it, is that the people that invest in your company, they also become customers and buy it online, right? What better person than someone who's invested in the company and wants to see you succeed? So we call them investors. You know, they're an investor and a customer. So once we closed our first round with uh, WeFunder, we had over 800 investors on there. And we funder gave us their emails, their addresses. Every you know we we need that because they're investors, right? You know we're going to reach out to them directly. So now we rolled them up into our email marketing list. So whenever we you know had a sale on our website or Amazon, we would email those eight hundred people. And the and the sales have been really good from those people because they're very very loyal. So we did it a second time. We went on Republic. We're actually uh, I'm going to do a a quick shameless plug uh for our republic but we we're, we're on it right now and so uh we're in the middle of a campaign we are at 175,000 already on the site we've been up for about a month or so and so yeah anyone who wants to visit uh, republic.co/genius-juice uh be super grateful for an investment um but I won't go any further than that because then i will sound like I'm being too salesy so <laughs>
1: I have a question. Uh, I have a quick question for you, Alex. My last question is about, and I'm uh, by the way, thank you for being so forthcoming with the deal uh, dissolving. Uh, I didn't want to dig, uh, but thank you for being able to disclose that. As the deal fell apart uh, with uh, Barbara and uh, Mark, what were your feelings and emotions um, during and since? Uh, Any regrets? Are you ultimately glad it fell apart? What did you go through emotionally during that um, negotiation?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was something where at the time I wanted it. We all wanted it to happen because it's cool. Right. You can tell people, you know, you can say, hey, I got a shark on board. Right. And they're going to you know, they're going to help us. So there was that kind of that the glamour of it that that I really that I was thinking about. But also on the other side, we were still a very young company then. You know, we're still young now, but we were really, really early stage. You know, almost two years ago after the taping in 2019, and uh, half a million dollars is a lot of money to a to a company of our size. Um, but again, you know, we were resourceful. We raised it elsewhere. So emotionally, um, definitely sad. You know, we, we were sad when it just didn't work out. And, you know, great people, like we, we work with their legal team, like really great people. They weren't, they weren't mean. They weren't unprofessional. They were very forthcoming and professional. And they said, you know, here's how it needs, you know, here's how we can work on a deal together. And we just couldn't come to terms, you know, on, on that deal. And they said, that's, that's okay. And they said, we thank you for your time and uh, congratulations. And we parted ways. So it was very, a very amicable experience. So, uh, but yeah, very sad. But at the same time, I said, you know what? As, as we always say in, in running a business and going through the entrepreneurial journey, that everything happens for a reason. It may be really painful in the moment, but you come out of it a stronger person and a better person and more experienced, and you learn from it, and then you move on to your next opportunity. So that's what we did. And after about two days of sulking, I'm just like, <laughs> let's move on from this. Let's let us let let's hope we get aired. I mean, that was also what we were worried about, right? Is is I'll put it this way, when a deal falls through, you're also less likely to be aired. That's my firm belief. I can't I can't say that I I know exactly the facts, but I would think if you don't get if you don't get a deal, like if it doesn't go through financially, you're probably less likely to be aired. Um, that's, that's my, that was my conclusion. So I was also scared we wouldn't get aired. So, uh, but anyway, we moved on and, um, you know, we've gotten some great opportunities from it. We raised elsewhere and, uh, you know what, what's cool is that Mark Cuban still orders the product on Amazon. We see his order come through every once in a while, especially cause he's home, you know, more now he's not traveling to stadiums with the Dallas Mavericks uh, you know, he's stuck at home and he's ordering genius. So that's a cool little, you know, cool little story on the side.
0: Your focus with the business now over the next 12 to 18 months, is it distribution? Is it marketing? Is it uh, new flavors? Where are you really focused?
2: Uh, I think all the above. Um, and then, and then raising money. That's, that's the fourth thing. So Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like any CPG brand, um, it's really important to continue to have to be well capitalized, um, you know, until we actually are breaking even and and you know, net positive and have having EBITDA. Um, so we're not quite there yet. We're actually projected to break even this year, finally. And so, because of that, um, we're just really focusing on the fundamentals of the business, the economics. So getting getting good margin. I think that's really a key thing, having a sustainable business so that we can eventually break even and not have to raise as much capital, right? And not have to dilute investors and just really rely on the net income the net profit and then reinvesting that into the company. So that's a really big focus this year. And then um, distribution wise, the only thing I can say about it without, you know, turning this into a one hour long, you know, podcast, Is that going where the product can do best? You know, like focusing on the retailers that where it's a fit, where we know the consumer, the demographic, they're going to buy a product like this. Uh, We're probably not ready for you know food for less. (laughs) You know, uh, you know we know it's a it's a great retailer, but you know it's just not our demographic. It's it's too expensive in some of those stores. But we are ready, you know, to go into Sprouts, Um, you know, we're ready to go into more Costco's because people like spending money at Costco, they're not as price sensitive, middle, upper income, Um, you know, people that really value health and are health conscious. So distribution strategy, focusing on the retailers that matter. And one of my mentors also said that it's really it's not about going into every store, right? It's not about planting your flag in every state and every every chain. It's about uh, inch wide, mile deep. So uh, quality over quantity and just focusing on the retailers that matter and digging really deep in those stores to get maximum, you know, velocity and movement from those stores. So that's our focus for this year.
0: Where can people buy the product? Where do you like them to go buy the product best? And then uh, where can people find you on social media?
2: So uh, social media, uh, I'll start with that first because I want to just get the social media out of the way. Um, that's how I feel about social media. But, uh, it's uh, genius underscore juice is our Instagram. And then also uh, we're on, I think we're on TikTok now. I don't know if you guys ever go on TikTok, <laughs> but we're on there now. I think it's genius juice. I don't even know. I got I to gotta check.
1: I, so, uh, I actually, am, I'm still on MySpace, so. <laughs> MySpace.
2: Yeah, Nice. So you have one friend, right? I think, uh, you know, the guy that friends you when you join, I think his name's Tom, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there we go. Not this Tom, another Tom. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's our social media. And then, um, and then as far as finding the product, I mean, depends on, I'm sure you have people watching and listening from all over the country. So, but, um, you know, I would say the easiest thing to do is go on geniusjuice.com, click store locator, and you can put in your zip code and find uh, a store near you carrying it. Um, but I would say Whole Foods, if you're in the West Coast, any Whole Foods on the West Coast, New York, with Whole Foods, uh, Sprouts in April, which is your neck of the woods in Arizona. And I wanna make sure you guys go out and buy it. So I, I made the Joe Beef flavor, which uh, just has a lot of chocolate in it, so and uh what else and then Costco, Actually, chocolate
1: and pizza those two and
2: chocolate covered pizza blended up in a bottle that's our new innovation i i that's 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 hot and fresh for this show right here
1: so i want to say something and <clears throat> i'll let you close it down tom but there's a lot of lessons here i know a lot of the backstory here and i have to bite my tongue otherwise this becomes a, a two-hour long podcast but <laughs> Uh, there's so many lessons learned here. Um, and what I'm taking away uh, from this is there was never any quit. There was never any give up in Alex Bayer and his team. They have been laser focused on uh, the mission at hand from day one. Uh, and I appreciate that more about you than almost uh, anything else academically you've learned. Um, through your entrepreneurial uh, venture of Genius Juice. There's no give up in you. And I think that if you learn more about the Genius Juice story, you're gonna wanna become a customer. You're gonna wanna become uh, an investor for sure. So uh, thanks for being on. I just wanted to mention there are a lot of lessons here that we can't get into that I know about, but uh, there was never any give up, never any quit in Alex Bayer.
2: Thank you, Joe. That means a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a very tough journey with a lot of ups and downs. And, um, you know, you just, there's always going to be challenges every single day, no matter what. So it's about how to get through those. So thankfully, um, you know, I have a very persistent personality, which lends well to this business. And uh, I had it when I was knocking on doors at Aflac, and uh, I still have it today. So there you go.
0: Well, we so appreciate your time, Alex, and uh, love hearing about the growth and all the exciting things you have coming on. We'll uh, look forward to staying in touch and, and following your journey. Thank you so much.
2: Definitely. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
0: That was a fun interview with Alex. What a, what a cool guy. Uh, interesting story. Uh, really excited to hear uh, how well he's doing. And, and Joe, you've you've known him a long time. You know, I'm just curious what what this experience was like for you. Uh, really watching him turn into an entrepreneur and then start to grow his business and and make it onto Shark Tank of all things.
1: Yeah, a lot of lot of pride because I had a very small hand in his early sales career. Um, first time I met Alex, he actually walked in my office in Sherman Oaks. Uh, Uh, California, Los Angeles area. And uh, he asked if uh, I was a state sales coordinator for the company. And I had four levels of management between me and him. And he just walked in and I had an open door policy anyway. So it wasn't odd for someone to walk in. And I said, hi, Alex. He said, yeah, I'm out of your Torrance office and live down in that area. And he said, "Uh, do you ever go out cold calling with new agents? you know, just knocking doors. And I said, well, you know, I haven't done that in a couple of years, but I actually love cold calling. He said, would you come out with me for half a day? So the first thing I learned about Alex Bayer is he's not afraid. He's got, you know, excuse me, cojones of steel. He'll walk in and ask uh, for what he wants. And I went out, we spent a half day in the field and we developed a really nice friendship uh, over the years. But some of the things that I know about him that I could share that actually didn't come out in this is he has an early partnership uh, that ended. He was willing, Tom, to end a partnership that wasn't right. The, his partner and him were not in alignment. They didn't have the same vision. They didn't have the same staying power. And versus just being comfort, you know, uh, comfortably uncomfortable with a partnership that wasn't right, he was willing to end it. And that didn't come out in the interview, but I wanted to <clears throat> share that because I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs just stay in bad uh, relationships and he wasn't afraid to say this isn't a fit it may be painful but let's end it um, Also there were two or three um, events in his business that could have or should have sunk him and I mentioned this in the interview there was zero quit there is zero quit in this guy's game. this guy has and, and I think the reason for that Tom is he has incredible passion for his mission. it's not a hundred percent. It's not 110%. This guy is 175% in all the time. He never wavers. He does everything he has to do to build that company. There was one story I can share with you that's uh, phenomenal. We used to raise money for the Coleman Foundation, and we had the largest non corporate uh, fundraising for over a decade in Los Angeles. We we're at Dodger Stadium, and he said, I know you'll have a lot of people out there. Can I bring samples? of the genius juice and I said absolutely if we could help you spread the word and promote genius juice please bring samples he goes I know you have a lot of runners doing the 5k <clears throat> so it was raining cats and dogs and I figured well Alex isn't going to show up in fact I texted him and I said the weather here is horrible please don't drag everything out here we you know we can make it without the samples and sure as heck he didn't even respond to my text he ignored the text And he dragged all that stuff out there, set it up in the parking lot because he didn't wanna miss the opportunity to be around 100 people, 150 people, whatever the crowd that assembled at our tent the Buzz and Roses tent that day. And he served everyone genius juice. So my big takeaway for this guy and for any entrepreneur listening is you have to have that kind of passion for your mission and for your business. And if you do, you will not be denied. And Alex Bayer will not be denied.
0: (laughs) Well, and he he even said he applied four times to be on the show. I mean, the guy just has no quit. And, you know, I think sometimes people watch Shark Tank or see successful entrepreneurs and they think, oh, well, they came up with an idea and then people started buying their product and then they made a bunch of money as if, you know, this was all so easy and all happened Uh, in in such a simple way, Um, but behind a lot of guys, most guys, almost every entrepreneur like Alex is this story of perseverance um, of, of a lot of failure uh, you know, and, and it's, it's so cool to see, but that's part of why Joe, we created this show because we want people to hear about the struggle. We want them to hear about the challenges. We want them to understand what this really looks like not what the seven minutes that air on TV are. Because, you know, you and I, I mean, we've met with and talked to hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs uh, over, over the past number of years. And, you know, we hear all these stories, uh, their customers don't, their friends and family oftentimes don't, but we hear these just really, um, really powerful stories and experiences Um, and, and so the ability to bring some of these out for more people to hear is is one of the things that I really like about what we're doing here. So, um, you know, he, one of the lessons he shared with us was that, you know, he learned to present his authentic self. So when he first tried out for Shark Tank a few times, he said he was really stiff and ultimately he learned, I just need to be my authentic self. And I think that's an important lesson. For, for everyone listening, um, just be authentic. You're you're never gonna be likable to everyone, so you might as well be yourself and, and it's gonna be a lot more enjoyable for you and, and it'll come across to people. Uh, he also talked about equity crowdfunding websites, which uh is an interesting thing that's really picking up steam. But basically, uh, you know, he's created a system where he's generated investors, but then also people that are customers, and he's built this very nice base of people through equity crowdfunding. And I think for some of you listening, it could be a really good way to raise some money and create some awareness for your product. Um, And then the last thing was just talking about how important it is to put your product in the right spots. So he has a consumer product. He needs to put it in the right stores. But think about whatever it is that you do. Who is that target? Where can you put that that people are going to see it that would actually use it and enjoy it? So, you know, not every product belongs in Whole Foods. Not every product belongs in Walmart. So figure out who your target persona is. Where do they shop? Where do they buy things? You know, what are they looking to buy and and match those two things? So, uh, Joe, this was awesome. Uh, So appreciate you uh, connecting us with Alex and uh, glad to have him as one of our uh, first couple episodes here. But what a great guy! So much to learn. Um, check out Genius Juice if you haven't already. It's it's a really cool product. So um, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed Alex. We hope you enjoyed um, some of the insights we were able to bring you. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, uh, you can go to Outside the Tank. And we have the ability to schedule a quick call with Joe and I. If you want to share your product and growth strategy and get our feedback, Um, we have an upcoming book for entrepreneurs uh, called Entrepreneurial Landmines. You can sign up for an advanced copy of that absolutely free for being a listener of the show. And you can also learn about Growth 10, which is our entrepreneurial community um, All throughout the country, we put entrepreneurs into small tribes that meet monthly. We provide a ton of education. Um, You know, we we love entrepreneurs. We love doing this work. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur that is serious about growing, you let us know how we can help you because we can certainly point you in the right direction. So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed bringing this to you. Thank you so much. See you next time, everybody.